Hello, welcome to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel T. Man in the second here, and you know, every week we uh, we typically uh, hang out, and spend some time making fun of Greg Tillman, but he's on hiatus this week. Uh, so Aww. Greg's not here this week, Aww. and you know we normally give him a, a goofy name and, and let him try to figure out why. And normally there's no real reason why, but we we miss you, Greg. Uh, we're sorry you're not here this week, but uh, but we do have. Special guest uh, back again. Who is this? Who is this guy? Douglas Davidson, North Carolina film critics, and now since last time we met, you're also a member of the Southeastern Film Critics Association. There you go, and also the founder of Elements of Madness. And so you can check out that website. What's that website? Elementsofmadness.com. Elementsofmadness.com. And if I feel you... like I'm selling cards. <laughs> Elementsofmadness.com. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back. Thanks for um, having me. Lot, lot of lot of fun last time, and and you you. Must have had a little bit of fun because you decided to come back. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, it was okay. A little bit. It was, it was a good okay. time. It was a good well, time. one of the things we're going to do is each time Douglas comes on, he'll be coming back some this summer, uh, we're going to have a film philosophy minute. So we're going to do that. That's a little tease, a little sneak preview of what's <laughs> to come. It's going to be a movie that we're both going to be reviewing as well. Um, and a lot of other things to try to cover. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and we never get to the full list. But uh, before we dive in, uh, I would be in trouble. If I didn't say, Tim, back doing the Tim Cam. Hey, buddy, how are you? I see Elvis. You still got Elvis Nomesley. Elvis is back there. So good to see you. He looks good. He looks good. That's a great spot for him. That's a great spot for him. We're, we're, we're glad you're here, Tim. You're, yeah, and you're glad to have him. Yeah, he's, I'm glad he's providing you the company that you so, uh, so long for. <laughs> you know, we, we have ordered Denny's, and they're going to bring um, pancakes and a smile for you. So uh, just get ready. Yeah, and a smile. That's right. Just because of your eyes. They love your eyes, man. The temptation eyes. That's what it's all about. Well, let's dive in uh, to this week's show. Uh, we do talk movies if you've never joined us before. And if this name, uh, Meet Me the Movies, didn't give it away, that's what we're going to do. Um, we're also going to talk about some entertainment-related stuff before we dive Absolutely. into reviews. Tim Conway. Uh, Tim Conway passed away since last we uh, recorded the show, and just a, a living legend. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching, um, you know, reruns and some of the original uh, Carol Burnett shows. Yeah. Always loved Tim Conway's comedy. Um, I, you know, he was goofy. He was um, he was just fun. He, um, he was a great actor who would. He would feed off of other performers, but he would share the spotlight yeah. so beautifully. He was a wonderful support actor. Yeah, but he was one that could literally lead it on his own. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, some of the, uh, the films he did with Don Knotts. I mean, you look at that, that character chemistry and that buddy chemistry that they had when they clicked off each other. And, you know, once again, that, that, that um, provides to that support that you talked about. But Absolutely. Tim Conway just loved the guy. Uh, he's going to be missed, and uh, if you've never had a chance to see any of the Tim Conway stuff, check it out. Memories of Tim Conway that you want to share? For, for me, it's mostly the Carol Burnett show, the reruns that would air. By the time I was old enough to watch television, it was all reruns. Yeah. Uh, but just watching the various sketches, the stuff that he did, Cannonball Run 2, he had a bit role as yeah. a cop, <laughs> but it was still very memorable. Yeah. Uh, if anybody is listening that has anything to do with Cannonball Run and Cannonball Run 2, please put it on Blu-ray, please. <laughs> would, like to, would like to be able to re-experience those movies because uh, even though it was a bit role, it's still incredibly memorable because he could show up, do a scene or two, yeah. and that's all you'd be thinking about yeah. for a while. Yeah, he could chew that scenery right there, but at the same time, he would, uh, he would provide the support that was needed. So Tim Conway, you're right. going to be missed. Uh, now, now, Tim Conway would have never been cast as Batman. No. 
It would have, well, well, if it was a sketch, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he did a lot of, he's been doing a lot of voice work for animation, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. cartoons and stuff, yeah. so maybe he could have been Batman. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, there is a new Batman in town. Uh, but I've been hearing all sorts of weird things like maybe it's not going to happen or That's maybe right. it is. What are some of your thoughts about the casting of Mr. Twilight uh, at this point for, uh, for Batman? Robert, Robert Pattinson, I think, has been given a bad rap because he was in the Twilight movies, okay. honestly. Uh, now, I've only seen bits and pieces of the films. I've never watched them. However... I have seen Robert Pattinson in other features. The Rover that was released by A24. I have yet to see High Life, but I've heard he is phenomenal in it. Good Time, which I did not enjoy. I did not enjoy Good Time at all. <laughs> you did However, not have a good time. I did not have a good time with it. However, you can't deny that his performance was one of the best that year. Robert Pattinson is a solid, solid actor who, unfortunately, because of how fans right. are, uh, fan culture has become rather toxic, Yeah, and I think he in particular gets a bad rap because he was associated with those films. It was a job. He, from what I understand, based on the fan response, the positive fan response, was very good in oh, it. They, yeah, the fans, the fans of the Twilight Saga loved him. Absolutely. I think he would make a great Batman. Now, the trick is... Let me rephrase that. I think he would make a great Bruce Wayne. Okay, okay. I think he would make a great Bruce Wayne. How he would be in the cape and cowl, I'm not sure. Yeah. But as Bruce Wayne, I think he would be fantastic. Okay, all right. Well, we will see uh, how, how that unfolds. Uh, but, you know, I remember when Michael Keaton was first cast in Absolutely. Tim Burton's Batman, there was a lot of backlash, and this was well before social media. Mm -hmm. But even then, they were like, wait a minute, this guy, he's a comic actor. How can he do this? And still today, one of my favorites uh, to have put on the, uh, the cape and the cap. Absolutely. Actually, Batman was the first film I saw in theaters by myself. I have such incredible memories of that film. And of course, prior to that, my experience was Adam West, right. the TV show, yep. who yep. at that time was also doing reruns. <laughs> but, but I found out about that backlash much later, when okay. I was in my teens and in yeah. early college, and I couldn't believe it, because yeah. as a young, young man, as a kid, watching Batman in theaters, he was fantastic. He was, yeah. And yeah. of course, by that point, I'd also seen Mr. Mom, yeah. and um, was it Gung Ho, the one Gung where Ho. he's... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some incredible comedic work. But Keaton is, he has such, yeah. such talent. In hindsight, yeah. Looking back at it, but then again, now when I hear people complaining about Robert Pattinson, right. I remind them of Heath Ledger. Yep. Yeah. Same thing happened yeah. when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, and look how that turned yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I, I have, um, I, I think each person who has been cast as Batman, I think they each brought something different to the role, and they Absolutely. each did fine. Yeah. You know, you could you could pick and choose which one's better, which is your favorite, yeah. but I think they each did fine for what they were asked to do. Absolutely. So, so there you go. So uh, so for all you fans out there that are uh, having a hard time with this, it'll be okay. <laughs> it'll be okay. Absolutely. Your 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 life is not going to end because of this casting. I promise you. I promise you. Well, uh, well, 20 years ago, let's dive in. 20 sure. years ago, uh, Star Wars as a franchise has been around for a long time. Oh yeah. So 20 years ago, we saw The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. Episode um, one. Episode one, it was Lucas going back to the beginning and starting from scratch. Talk about something that's, that's had a lot of love-hate relationships. There have been a lot of people who 
hate the prequels. Mm -hmm. Others love aspects of the prequels. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm one of those that I don't hate the prequels. Um, I, I, I have problems with aspects of it, mm -hmm. but they served a purpose for me, and they served a storyline purpose for me, and, uh, and, and I did love some of the characters. I mean, without this, we probably would not know Natalie Portman as an example. Hmm. Uh, you know, she well, just, she had done the professional before this. She had, but but this brought her into the mainstream, and this opened sure. up a lot of doors for her after that. She took advantage of those doors. Now there are some other uh, actors that were cast in this that in acting talent that I'm not big fans of. I think uh, you know, casting Anakin, the, the the older Anakin. Oh man, when you go back and talk about torture. Watching the the second and third films within this trilogy. Uh, pretty torturous from an acting standpoint when you look at, um, at, at Anakin, and I'm not going to talk about who he is because I don't want to say that. Well, I think, and I will, Hayden Christensen, <laughs> I think we have to give him the benefit of the doubt because it goes to the material. Okay. And I think this is part of the reason where you get into the reasons why people like him and the reasons why they don't. Phantom Menace I was very excited for. Yep. I, I, it was a senior in high school. I still have the Darth Maul t-shirt that I got from, from watching that film. And love Darth Maul. Uh, Darth Maul was fantastic. I love how, while I haven't watched the animated series of the Clone Wars that brought him back, yep. thing was Clone Wars, Solo reintroduced him. There's some great stuff with that character, and I hope they, with some of the other films, find ways to bring Darth Maul back into it. I agree that they got to show us more of Lucas's vision, mm -hmm. but I think where some of the problems with this trilogy comes from is Lucas's involvement. He is incredible as an idea man. Mm -hmm. The scripts weren't that great. Yeah. They explained things that didn't need to be explained like the Mitochlorians. Yeah. <laughs> which has sort of, I think, been walked back into other things or sort of, okay, we'll put it to the side. But Hayden Christensen, I think, where everyone else was able to use the material in a different way, him as Anakin slash Darth Vader, or the soon-to-become Darth Vader, right. he had a lot, there was a lot more weighing on his shoulders for what everybody expected it to yep. be, kind of like what Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson dealt with with The Last Jedi. Right. Everybody had these expectations of Darth Vader and Anakin. Hayden only yep. had but so much he could work with that, and the script wasn't that great. Yeah. There's a whole love sequence where Hayden is and Anakin is talking to Padme, and they're talking about sand and somehow turn that into how we feel. It's very awkward. <laughs> it's very awkward. And there's only so much as an actor you yeah. can do with that. Yeah. So I, I think some of the issues do go to the script. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they are fun movies. They and they're are. kid movies, and that's what they, they needed to be. They are. And, and, you know, and without, and honestly, I think without that trilogy, we wouldn't be in this, this final installment, as Agreed. we're going to be seeing with, uh, with the last of the Skywalker uh, saga wrapping up uh, later on this year. So I don't, I don't know that we would have been here were it not for those. So 20 years ago, uh, it was released. Uh, fans did go nuts over it. Um, Absolutely. The, the hardcore original trilogy fans really had issues with it, but I did think some of the casting was spot on. I mean, uh, you know, you've got some, you've got some amazing talent in it, and the digital effects at that time it, it did break ground. Yes, and it did. that is something that Lucas always has found a way to do uh, is is breaking ground from a from a technology standpoint. And Absolutely. The sound design in those films still pretty solid, and score, of course. I mean, my gosh. Uh, so, Duel of the Fates is oh, still yeah. a, a moment. You hear that music, and it, it does grip you. It does, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, go back and revisit it uh, 20 years later and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and give it the benefit of the doubt. It's, <laughs> it's still, still worth checking out. Still Absolutely. worth checking out. 
Well, let's dive into some movie reviews. Uh, Douglas, I appreciate you being here again. Sure. Um, we're going to talk about this guy named Elton John. <laughs> you know, Elton John, he's a rock star. Yes, just he is. Say, he's a rock star. He's done so many things. Uh, rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, 1994. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was became Sir Elton John in 1998. Uh, received a Kennedy Center honor. Uh, also, listen to these some of these stats here. He's had a top 40 single, or had a top 40 single, every year for 26 years mm -hmm. between 1970 and 1996. That's a pretty long run. It's incredible. Grammy winner, Tony winner, uh, Oscar winner. Uh, 60 songs on the Billboard Top 100, including nine number ones. Elton John, just amazing. I got a chance to see him in concert when I was a kid. I got to see him later when I was an adult. My mom took me. My mom used to always take me to concerts. So mm -hmm. my, my love of music goes deep, and a lot of that is, is, is because my mom. She took me to all these great concerts. And I remember seeing Elton John and just being blown away by not just the music, mm -hmm. but just his stage presence. Mm -hmm. And there's a movie called Rocket Man that takes a look at Elton John through a fantasy. Absolutely. And you got a chance to do it in early screening. So give us your thoughts now that I've set you up. Awesome. For uh, for Rocket Man. Yeah, Fandango did a two-week early preview that I was very fortunate to to check out. It was spectacular, absolutely spectacular. It and. Talking about in terms of a fantasy is the best way to think about this film. It has more akin to a Broadway show than it does a traditional biopic. Okay. It absolutely does. It is fantastical is just the beginning of what it is. There's a moment, and you can see this in the trailer, where Elton is playing at the Troubadour. Now, in the film, this is representative of his first performance in the U.S. And he ends up playing a song that, in its chronology, didn't release for two more years. The truth matters not when it comes to the music <laughs> right, right. in Rocket Man. And the reason why is because as he's playing the song and people are reacting to it, he starts floating in the air. He's holding on to the piano, legs flying up. Everybody is coming off the ground. Did that happen in real life? <laughs> probably not, but they probably felt that way. And Rocket Man is more about how the music makes you feel yeah. and using that feeling, that music, to tell this story. Okay. And that is what makes yeah. it so much fun. There is uh, the way that it's shot in Dexter Fletcher, who has only done four films up to this point. He had previously worked with Taron Edgerton, who plays Elton John, on Eddie the Eagle, another biopic. Taron was great in that. He is fantastic as Elton. He wow. just disappears yeah. into the role. Uh, but the two of them have a wonderful working relationship. And, and it shows. Oh, it absolutely shows. And one thing that's worth mentioning, as a biopic, it doesn't delve deeply. It's not about carving into the man of Elton John. It does do this, and it pulls no punches. And so much of that, you would expect a film about a subject who is living. Elton right. is still going. Yeah. He's retiring, yeah. but he's still going. He's still involved it, in AIDS funding. Again. Uh, retiring again. <laughs> that's right. I believe it's the farewell tour that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's going on right now. But um, there's a feeling that perhaps they'd want to put on the best light of things. Yeah. They absolutely do not. And okay. from the beginning, yeah. Elton tells you himself, this is who I am, and the whole film shows wow. this to you. Wow. What's this? And what's really great Number is 11. Dexter has so worked with, Dexter, Taron, one of the producers, Matthew Vaughn, have all worked together in some capacity. Matthew Vaughn directed the Kingsman yeah. films. Right. He directed and wrote uh, X-Men First Class. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Matthew worked with Elton on Kingsman 2, who Taryn was also in. Dexter has worked with Matthew and had been involved with these things. So there is an enormous amount of trust that was involved with this. And it shows on screen in every moment. I was laughing. I legitimately was crying. My face hurt from smiling. And uh, we've already pre-ordered the soundtrack. We we loved every moment of it. So the soundtrack... Elton songs. Yes, but Taryn. Taryn is the one singing them. This is, in terms of a soundtrack, this isn't a greatest hits that they're putting out to just sell records. No, this is Taryn Edgerton singing with guest spots from other members, and they're the versions from the film. You can actually listen to Rocket Man in the official uh, video that they've put out on YouTube and Vimeo, and it's not the version Elton did. And the way that it's used in the film, it'll absolutely break your heart. Wow. It is. So th- this, is, is this is a film everyone should see who loves music, everyone who should see who loves Elton John. Absolutely. What's, okay. Absolutely. I think this film, more than any other biopic that I've seen recently, does play across all audiences. Okay. Because it's not trying to be truthful to the chronology. It's not about, right. well, he did this song here and this right. album right. here. Yeah. It's about using the songs to convey who Elton is and what he's experiencing at the moment. Yeah. I think it plays across yeah. so many different awesome. things. And considering I did see a couple of people at the screening that my wife and I went to dressed up in, <laughs> in Elton outfits, I think it plays both with That's fans awesome. and, and Universal. I, I grew up listening to some Elton songs, but watching the movie, I went, that was an Elton John song? Wow, okay. And okay. So, so, so it was great. It just plays. It absolutely so uh, plays. your rating on an A plus to an F scale? Uh, I would say A. A. For, for me, it's a four and a, half, four and a half out of five. It's near perfect. Okay, it solid is near a. perfect. Solid right. A. Absolutely right. Rocket Man, uh, check that out. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's getting a wide release, but it's definitely one. Uh, I will be there. Uh, I'll be checking out. Thanks for the early, uh, early review of that. That's Happy awesome. to do it. We're going to take a break right here on Meet Me in the Movies. We're going to have a little intermission, so you can go get your popcorn. You can go get <laughs> your, uh, your, your goobers or your... Uh, Gummy worms. I think I think Tim back there likes gummy worms. Is that right? Gummy worms. Okay. And we'll get some uh, peanut butter and banana for Elvis. Uh, I think we're going to do that as well. We're going to do that during the break. Come, we'll come back with John Wick, Chapter Three, and more right after. Cleveland County, many children struggle to develop due to the lack of guidance and shortage of positive role models. At the Boys and Girls Club, we make it our team's mission to aid your child in becoming a better student and, more importantly, a better person with a brighter future. When your child comes to the club, you can be assured they are being guided in a manner that is beneficial to the growth as an adult that is visible in their lives. Please consider giving your child the opportunity to be the absolute best they can possibly be. Please support your local Boys and Girls Club today. Dean said that he pointed to his head and said they have to have a, a brain to do that job. Well, I can think of a lot of people that would want it, but that rules them out, Dean. That's right. <laughs> I mean, he is acting like a Republican today, folks. I'm so I'm happy just acting like him. I've always <laughs> acted <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah but you're even a little bit more. I'm, you, you're thinking about making America great. I know you are, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II, hanging out with Douglas Davidson. Douglas, Hello, everybody. Uh, ElementsofMadness.com, also North Carolina Film Critic and Southeastern Film Critics Association. Uh, Greg Tillman uh, is still not here. Uh, he did run in uh, with, a, with a little bit of makeup help. Um, he, he was going to call cosmetology, uh, but they could not come. So, uh, so Greg did come in. We do appreciate it. Uh, movie we're going to check out. Uh, Right after we say hey to, to Tim back there. Tim, you still there? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, and Elvis, Elvis Nomsley uh, back there as well. We appreciate, appreciate both of you. John Wick 3, uh, you know, the first John Wick I was a fan of because it was an under-the-radar film. It was yeah. different. Uh, it, it came out, it seems like it came around, out around the same time as Jack Reacher, mm -hmm. you know, or, or they weren't too far apart, and uh, they both had some similarities. Uh, but I tell you, you know, you just don't mess with a man's dog. <laughs> That's the bottom line. You just don't mess with a man's dog, especially somebody who was a world-class assassin. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, John Wick, the first one, had incredible success. It, it, it had this kind of cult following. A second one came out. It did well. This third chapter has blown the box office away, has blown expectations out of the water. I mean, nobody expected it to almost hit 60 million on opening weekend. That just huh? wasn't something that anybody thought would happen. And uh, you and I got a chance to check this one out early uh, as well. And uh, let me get your thoughts on, on John Wick 3 that literally picks up right after the second one. And I think it's with this film that, with chapter three, that we need to stop thinking about the John Wick series as films, yeah. the sort of standards, you know, you get a sequel and whatever else, and more to think of them as serials. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. In particular, the fact that there's a line given by Angelica Houston's the director, it's been five weeks. Yeah, exactly. For these three films, 2014, 2017, and now 2019, yeah. it's been five weeks in John Wick's yeah. life. And I think it's important that they mention it. They do it in, John, in chapter two as well. This is something that is ongoing. He hasn't had a break. And... The, the violence is beautiful. Yeah. The director, uh, Chad Stalinsky, he's a former stuntman, and he knows how to create action. And what I love about both he and Keanu's partnership in creating the sequences is that they look to other films for inspiration as well. The motorcycle sequence that is fantastic itself was inspired by another film called The Villainess that I think came out after John Wick 2 came out. I think it was 2017, 2018. But they saw that movie and they went, Oh, we we got to do something with this. The the stunts are fantastic, the action's fantastic, and that's I think why people do return yeah. for that entertainment yeah, value. Yeah, I think so too. And and you talk about creative. This is probably one of the most creatively violent films yeah. that I've seen. Violent in action, and and you know when you see deaths by library books, <laughs> deaths by horses kicking people in the head and other places. Yeah. Uh, you know, horse chases, motorcycle chases, you have, you have some of the most incredible chase scenes yeah. uh, in this film. And, and you're right, it, it's, it's just this incredible visual journey that you're watching. Very limited dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I was talking to Thomas, my son, who is a, an ultra, ultra marathon runner. I said, it's really like doing these ultra marathons that you've got these heavy, heavy, heavy action sequences. And then you've got like a water station where you can take a break mm -hmm. for just a second or two just to breathe. And then you go right back at it again. Mm -hmm. and, and there are probably three or four of those particular sequences that are broken down to 
let you let breathe. You breathe. But man, there's so much action in this movie. Absolutely. And what's really wonderful about it is because Stileski comes from a stunt background, he understands that action sequences aren't just about amazing people. Now, a good one will but it also communicates and moves the story forward. And so many of the fight sequences are about that. The first fight sequence, you talk about John attacking someone with a book. It's a pretty impressive <laughs> fight sequence, but it's also about communicating who John is and where he is at that moment. How desperate is he that he's gonna use the first thing that comes to him. The scene that follows after is an incredible knife fight. Incredible knife fight with, by the way, for you, uh, martial arts enthusiast Tiger Chen has a blink and you'll miss it cameo in that particular sequence who has worked with Keanu before and and I believe with Chad but these fight sequences they communicate where John is yeah where he is in the story and he doesn't looking good the whole time the Absolutely. dude wears a suit and tie the entire time even walking across the desert the dude doesn't shed his coat or tie he doesn't have time for it doesn't have time for it he he got the suit before he went to do his mission in chapter two, he's not, he doesn't have time to change his clothes. But that's also part of the hyper-reality of it all. Yeah. Because he still looks good. The suit doesn't look as worn as it probably would in the real world. And that's also part of the fun of these movies as a serial, is some of the logic sort of goes out the window. And I will say that uh, we, we say R-rated violence. Yeah. This really is R-rated violence. Yes, it is. Uh, there are some people who could not watch this movie. It's pretty graphic. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife uh, is not a big fan. She loves action films, but she doesn't love the, the, the blood and gore. And this movie has some blood and some gore. A little bit. Um, and so just to understand that going in, uh, this is not your typical R-rated action film. Uh, this, I would say... You know, Tarantino uh, probably has a little, you know, would have some, something to say about this. Um, <laughs> fans of The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, if you're going to go to the TV route, you might see some pretty grotesque deaths. But, again, don't mess with the guy's dog. Yeah. Don't I'll, mess with the guy's dog. I'm I'll, sorry. Although I have to agree with uh, Wick, because the director, who Angelica Houston plays, says this to him, it was just a dog. And Wick responds, it was never about the dog. Yeah. And... That's true. Yeah. If you go back and watch these films, Wick even makes the comment in the first one, when someone goes, it was the dog. It was like, no, no, no. You took away my ability to grieve. Yeah. You took away the last vestige of hope that I had some form of redemption. You took that yep. from me. So to everybody else who goes, it's about the dog, and I'm talking about the movies, it's never about the dog. It's never about the dog. And there's actually a really wonderful moment in the film that uh, I really thought would be interesting to discuss. Okay, well, uh, you got, can you do it in 30 seconds? I think I can. Okay, all right, okay. dive in. This There's is a the philosophy minute right here. There's a wonderful moment in chapter three where Wick is going into a theater, and on the screen it says Tchaikovsky, and it says The Tale of Two Wolves. Tchaikovsky didn't do The Tale of Two Wolves. It's actually, from my research, a na reference to a Native American parable about two wolves, one who is evil and one who is good, and the one who wins is the one that you feed. And all uh, Parabolum is about is about John Wick deciding, am I good or am I evil? Is redemption possible or do I have to go back to this life? That is his journey in this film yeah. is making that decision. Yeah. Which version am I going to? Am I yeah. fighting the high table or am I rejoining them? Yeah. And it is, if you think about this film in that lens, it yeah. changes everything you witness. A minus for me. 
for uh, John Wick Chapter 3? I, I would absolutely agree. Okay. Uh, uh, A minus, absolutely. A minus, awesome. Well, we had a ton of other things to talk about, <laughs> and we didn't get to them. So we'll have you back. Awesome. And hopefully we'll talk about, talk about some more of these uh, items. We'll leave you with a quote, movie quote, as we always do. Uh, this comes from uh, Tony Stark. Uh, who was quoting uh, his dad, Howard Stark, from uh, Avengers Endgame, uh, no amount of money ever bought a second of time. really like that quote. Mm -hmm. Douglas Davidson, uh, our special guest here. Uh, we're just going to call you guest from now on or, or <laughs> guest co-host. But thanks for being back. Thank you for having me. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, Greg Tillman, we missed you. Uh, and uh, sorry that, uh, that you're having issues. But uh, hey, a um, little ointment might take care of that. Uh, and uh, Tim, appreciate you as always. And uh, Elvis, uh, thank you too as well. <laughs> Email us at uh, info at c19.tv and uh, have a lot of fun. Go see some movies and uh, enjoy yourself. Eat the popcorn because you can. Until next time, I'm Nolte Man of the Second for Meet Me in the Movies. That's a wrap. <laughs>